This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Well, you've already done the Happy Sabbath routine, so that just shoots my first line. How about God be praised, GYC? God be praised for that music we just heard. That was absolutely heavenly, guys. Bless you. Thank you for doing it. Come to Andrews University anytime. We would be, we would be swept up as we were just now to the throne room of heaven. Well, it is such an honor and a privilege to be here at GYC. I'm going to tell you, this is my first time at a GYC. And I'm just wondering, I'll bet you there are a few others who are here for the first time. Be proud that you finally came to GYC and put your hand up with me, huh? Look at that. Whoa, that's a lot of first-timers. Welcome to you as well. Thank you, Justin McNeilis, for your invitation. Sean Reed and the leadership team here at, at uh, GYC. It's a treat to be here. And I'll tell you why I'm, I, I'm really stoked about this kind of a convocation. I believe that communities that have been built like this of the young are a fulfillment, listen, are a fulfillment, a direct fulfillment of divine prophecy. No, I have found a prophecy in Scripture. I'm going to share it with you right now. This is not the teaching. Don't start that clock yet. This is, this is before we get to the teaching. I want, to, I want you to open up your Bible right now. I'm going to show you a divine word. This is clearly a messianic prophecy. You're going to recognize it instantly when you read the words. May I show you what is in the heart of this Messiah coming prophecy. This would be Psalm 110. All right, so open up. Your Bible to Psalm 110, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah himself. So we know, we know that Psalm 110 is, is a messianic psalm. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to be reading here in the, uh, the New King James Version. Whatever translation you have is fine with me. I've got the New King James. And by the way, I just need to tell you this. This is also... The Andrews Study Bible. You probably haven't heard about it yet. And I don't know why Justin McNeilis left the ad out of the program brochure when he's bringing down the pastor from Andrews University. So let me just say a word. Let me just say a word about uh, Andrews Study Bible. You got to have it. You just have to have it. This is, this is not just the New King James. This is not just any study Bible. This is the only official study Bible of the Seventh-day Adventist Church with the scholars of our community of faith weighing in and beneath the line, here's the line for Psalm 110, beneath the line, the small print has been composed by, as it turns out, men and women who are friends of mine. Most of them are at, uh, at Andrews University. The portions of Scripture that present a conundrum to your contagious witness are beautifully dealt with here. 
You get the, you'll find the missing pieces. Good for you. You will find the connecting links. So, I hope before you leave, do they have exhibits here where they put up these booths? I've not been to the exhibit. Do they have them? All right. I'll, I'll just predict that there is a booth that has the Andrew Study Bible in it. If you can find that booth tonight after sundown. I'm not talking about buying books on the Sabbath, but after sundown, if you'll find that booth, you will find the Andrew Study Bible waiting for you. And by the way, if you're going to get one, get the, the nice premium fine leather. You will never regret the extra dollar or two that the Holy Spirit will bring back to you as you invest in this study tool. All right. So with that little commercial out of the way, Psalm 110, let's go. Clearly, this is messianic because look at verse one. The Lord said to my Lord, oh, I've read that many times in the New Testament. You you absolutely have, because this is God speaking to the Messiah. The Lord said to my Lord, writes David, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. That that text appears all through the, the New Testament. Drop down to verse four. And the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You, Messiah, are a priest forever, according to the order of what? According to the order of Melchizedek. So we know this is about the Messiah. Now, but watch this. It's verse 3 right in the middle. This is why I am, I'm so ex- I am so excited about the raising up of an organization like this one. Look at verse 3. Speaking of the Messiah. Your people, O Messiah, shall be volunteers in the day of your power. That can also be translated, by the way, as the NIV does, in the day of your battle. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is one of the most difficult Hebrew passages to translate in the Old Testament. This is a tough one. Your people will be volunteers in the day of your power or battle. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Now, a little more uh, uh, fresher translations render it. Here's one. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. The young will come to you, O Messiah, like dew from the morning's womb. In other words, Messiah, after you sit on the throne beside me, before the end game is finished, the final battle, your doors to your army will open and the young will come to you. Arrayed in holy splendor, they will come to you. They will compose your end-time army. Ladies and gentlemen of GYC, that means that any movement of the young at the end of time, the young passionate for the Messiah and the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, any movement of the young for Christ at the end of time is a direct fulfillment of Psalm 110 and this messianic prophecy. Now listen, for years as a kid growing up in the church, I'm a fifth generation Adventist and a fourth generation preacher. So I've hung around this church all my life. And I used to hear that quotation from uh, the little book, Education, Ellen White. What's that page number? I've got it scribbled here, 271. Do you remember that quotation? With such an army as our youth rightly trained might furnish, how soon the message of a crucified, risen and... Soon coming Savior might go to the earth. How soon 
the end of suffering and sin. We've had that quotation for a century and a half. But now right here in the heart of the Psalms is a messianic prediction that at the end of time, Jesus' army will be composed of the young. Dominantly, dominantly the young. Which is why I'm so proud of you. You know what? This is the, this is the holiday. You could have been anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world but here. But you gave up holiday time to come to this place with like-minded, passionate hearts to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I say, good on you. In fact, I tweeted. I tweeted. What's so funny about tweeting? My friend Roy Gain, who is here, by the way, he's one of our professors, did some of the notes in that Bible. Roy Gain, because I just, I just got into uh, Twitter uh, over the Thanksgiving break, and so I announced to my congregation the next Sabbath that uh, you can now find me at, at Dwight K. Nelson, and you can track along in the journey. And Roy came up to me and he said, Dwight, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're into uh, Twitter now, so I suppose you really love the song in the tweet by and by, which I thought was really a misapplication of that great hymn. But I tweeted, I tweeted Thursday night, it really does sound weird, doesn't it? And I have a direct quote, I scribbled it down here. I sent it to those that are tracking that particular Twitter account. This is the quote. My take on the GYC thus far, 5,000 young adults eager to seek the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, undeniable passion for Christ, thank God for them. The bad thing about Twitter is you have to do it in 140 characters or less. It was not invented for preachers, trust me. <laughs> but that's the word I sent out. So it is an honor to be here, an honor to meet with you, fellowship with you, worship with you, and thank God for these young preachers that we've been having. Man, this has been good. And I've been coming. Early in the morning, I'm here. Late at night, I'm here. And I'm getting blessed every single time. And I'm thinking, God, you have got, you are raising up preachers right and left among the young for the Messiah's strategic endgame. Hallelujah. So I want to pray with you to set us up for, for this teaching. And oh, I'm praying that God will, God will open our eyes, help our hearts to hear what is tucked away in this scripture. So let's pray. Dear God with an army with an army like this how soon the end of suffering and sin thank you Father for these young adults who've come from all over the globe to share this weekend in Houston we will never be the same again for having been here and we praise you you know what, our, you know what our, our theme is, God. Fill me our earnest plea. And we're going to keep praying that prayer until Jesus comes. As we move now into the acts of the Holy Spirit, open our, open our ears to hear Him speaking through the book He inspired. In, his, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go back to the book of Acts. We've been going to the book of Acts again and again and again. I... There's one story, fortunately, nobody has dealt with yet. Whew. So I get to go to Acts chapter 10. Go to Acts chapter 10. And by the way, that really is the name of the Holy Spirit. It says at the top of the Old King James, Acts of the Apostles. 
Now, really, the title of the book should be The Acts of the Holy Spirit. It is a chronicle of the movement of the third person of the Godhead. In fact, Pentecost, scholars believe, scholars suggest you could call Pentecost the Bethlehem of the Spirit. That's when the Spirit incarnates Himself in a dramatic way into the human race. Of course, He was operative in the Old Testament. That's not the point. And by the way, did you love that act story that came from, from uh, on the streets yesterday? That bus driver running up and saying, what must I do to be saved? That's straight out of Acts. So we're getting Acts in the tooth, on, the, on the, the waning moments of 2011. The new year begins tonight. One last time in Acts before the uh, new year. Acts chapter 10. You already found it? I, I was listening to the Sabbath school, you know, with Sean and his friends up front here talking about prayer you are now going to be immersed into a prayer saturated narrative i mean you don't have to embellish this one we don't have to move into fancy flight of english on this one this is just straight stuff and the spirit's ready to apply it to our hearts so let's go acts chapter 10 verse 1 you remember the story there was a certain man in caesarea called cornelius a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. All right? He had, an, he had, he had, a, he had a battalion of a hundred. Generally, actually, it was eighty. Under him as a centurion. He was a devout man, verse 2, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms, alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. I love the way my friend Mark Finley put it last night when we Skyped him in, and that was sure great to have him here. And Mark was saying, hey, hey guys, don't forget, all over this planet, there are men, women, young adults, teenagers, and children who are hungering to somehow connect with the living God. They have no idea how to make that connection, but they, they long for that connection. I was flying down here from, uh, from uh, Cleveland, South Bend, Cleveland, Houston. And I'm sitting on the plane, as it turns out, by a farmer who owns the largest farm in Indiana. The largest farm. So we get to talking. And he actually said, I, I, I need to just tell you that, uh, you know, your church is uh, telecast there from Andrews University. I watch it every night. I said, I, I'm not, uh, every Sunday night. I'm sorry, every Sunday night. I said, Sunday night? That's at midnight. We telecast at midnight Sunday night. Why don't you watch it Sunday noon? Because he says, I'm active in my Lutheran church. That's why. But I stay up till midnight to watch. I had a book with me by N.T. Wright, the, uh, a New Testament scholar, on, and the title of the book is Justification. I brought it down to read. And he says, by the way, justification, that's a word we know as Lutherans. And we fell into conversation the whole way. Getting off the plane, I said, listen, how's your wife doing? And tears, she died just three weeks ago. As soon as we got off that plane, we could pull into a, a corner in the, in the waiting lounge. I said, I want to pray with you. Got his name, his address. I'm going to be in touch with him. There are God-fearers all over this planet today. God will find them. And He'll lead you to them. I believe that was Mark's point last night. So there is this Cornelius who is, by the way, praying to God always. I told you this is a prayer-saturated narrative. And about the ninth hour of the day, that would be three o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. Shoom! While he's in prayer, there is this being standing there. An angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. Wouldn't you be when you were in prayer? And all of a sudden, 
materializes your guardian angel. And he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? So he, the angel, said to Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, and you'll find the house by the sea. Isn't it great to know that God not only knows your name, he knows your address of the house, he knows your email address, and he can send you anywhere on this planet he needs to, or send anybody on this planet to you to find you. Wow. He says, by the way, there are two Simons there. Don't get them mixed up. One's the tanner, the other one that goes by Peter. That's the one I'm sending you to. So, Cornelius, when, he, when the angel spoke to him, verse 7, and departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. We're not talking about a, a, a low ladder socioeconomic personage. We're talking about somebody up the ladder who has multiple people who wait on him continually. He's well-to-do. And God is going to send a peasant fisherman to be the key. Don't you ever be intimidated by socioeconomic class that's higher than yours. Don't you ever suck it in and say, I'm not going. Oh, that house is way too big. I won't go there. You never have to be afraid. Because the God who has your name and address will take care of the connection with the upper echelons of society. So he calls them. says, hey, verse 8, he explained to them all these things. And then he sent them to Joppa, about 40 miles Away about a day and a half journey. The next day, okay, here's verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, oh, here he comes now, Peter went up on the household to pray. I told you it's prayer saturated. Saturated. He went up onto the household to pray about the sixth hour. That would be noon. You know what? Do you get hungry around the, certain, around the same time every day? It just, it just The juices begin flowing and you just, you know, when I come home and Karen is there, she's, she's off from work, she's a nurse, and so she's scurrying around supper. Man, I, I, I just keep wanting to hang around the kitchen, don't you? Just a little snap. Oh, get One more time and you don't get supper. <laughs> All right. Obviously, Peter, who is hungry, has been hanging around the kitchen. Say, go to the roof. We'll call you when we're ready. So Peter goes to the roof. And then he... Wanting, being very hungry and wanting to eat. But up on the rooftop, while they were making ready, lunch is being cooked below, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners. Oh, how many times have we read this? Bound at, in the four corners, this sheet descending to him let down to earth, and verse 12, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Yuck! And a voice cries out in that trance, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him and said the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And, according to verse 16, this was done three times, and the object, shh, gone, disappears, and he comes out of this trance. Where am I? Oh, what was that about? Verse 17, now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, he's brooding over this, saying, what was that? Mercy. Behold, at that same split second, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and had stood before the gate. 
Yo, is this the house of the Simon beside the sea? We see you're beside the sea. Are you the Simon? Yes. Do you have somebody staying with you named Simon as well? Yes, we do. Can we come in? And they called out and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was thinking now, look at this. He's thinking about the vision. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Now, you're going to get thrown by this, Peter. You're going to go down those stairs and you're going to say, this, this just does not seem to fit with my worldview. I need you to doubt nothing. It will challenge your presuppositions. It will cause you to, to rep... Can't even read my own handwriting here. It will cause you... <laughs> to reevaluate. It will cause you to reevaluate your traditions... It will lead you to break with history. I'm having a hard time reading my handwriting because uh, I was putting this sermon together late last night. I brought another sermon, also written for this moment. But somebody sent a message to me, and I, I need to just thank that person. I don't know who it is because the person was not identified to me. But somebody sent a message to me and said, you won't preach on that subject whatever that subject was. So I said, whoa. So I went back to my room and spent some time in prayer. And I'm saying, God, please, what do I do? I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going down that path anyway. And after a long time in prayer, late at night and early in the morning, I'm scribbling a few notes down. So pardon my penmanship at that hour of the day. So, Peter, this is Spirit speaking to him. Hey, Peter, there are three men waiting for you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. I'm going to show you something, boy. It's going to blow you out of this water. It's another worldview, but you've got to see it. And heaven is ready for it now. Doubt nothing. Eyes open, ears listening. I'll be in touch. Adios. Spirit's gone. Now, verse 21, when, when Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius, and he said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? They said to him, verse 22, Hey, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation, by the way, among the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel. Ellen White says that when we get to heaven, we're going to hear a voice. We're going to turn around. And that voice that we recognize will be the voice of our guardian angel. You have been hearing that guardian angel ever since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. That angel has been assigned to you 24-7 since you <gasps> took that first gasp of air. And that angel has been speaking to you. But what is so neat about that line is that the divine instructions, the, the instructions from the throne room come from the guardian angel. So be careful about saying no to what the, what the voice inside of you is, is calling you to decide. That's God Himself through your angel. 
He was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then Peter invited them. And by the way, this is huge. Peter invites them in to spend the night. Something already is beginning to happen. The worldview is beginning to crumble. He would never, he would never have had a bunch of pagan Romans come in and spend the night. Listen, there's a Motel 6 down the road. I'll see you in the morning. He says, come in. Spend the night with us. And the following day, verse 24, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius, can you believe the faith of this pagan Roman believer? Now Cornelius was waiting for them. I knew you would come. I have everybody here already. And he had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him at the door and fell down at his feet and started worshiping him. And Peter reaches, big fisherman, he's pulled in massive nets before. He reaches down and grabs that centurion by the collar and, yo, don't you do that. Stand up. I'm just a man like you. Now, what's up? Why am I here? Oh, my. And as he talked, verse 27, with Cornelius, Peter goes into the living room and he, found, he finds many of them already together. Then he, he says, well, I might as well begin my little speech now. And he says to them, hey, do you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation? Do you understand how countercultural... Counter societal this is for me to even be standing in your living room. Do you understand that? But God, I need you to catch this line. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Because the vision of Peter at lunchtime atop that roof was not about Peter's diet. It was about Peter's deportment. And we're going to change you, boy. We're going to change your worldview. That's what the whole dream was about. That's what that trance was. Three times. That's the trance. So Cornelius, why am I here? Cornelius says, I'll tell you. Verse 30. Four days ago I was fasting. I told you this is saturated with prayer. I was fasting until this very hour. And at the ninth hour, three o'clock, four days ago, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered. Send to Joppa, call for Simon and Simon. And so I sent immediately for you, verse 33. And by the way, Peter, you have done well to come. Sounds like a guy who's used to giving orders. You did very well. Glad you came. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. You're going to have to tell what God has commanded you. Oh, I tell you what, Sharissa, that was, that was powerful this morning. I'm, uh, I've been blessed by all of them. But uh, this morning, is she talking, remember about digging the ditches. It doesn't make sense to do this. When you get the command from God, you're going to have to eat the resistance. You're going to have to do it anyway. If He's commanded you to say something, you're going to have to say it, whether it's comfortable to say it or not. So thank you, Sharissa. That really ministered to me. This morning. Then Peter, verse 34, opened his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Does the old King James say he's no respecter of persons? Is that how it goes? Yeah, okay. I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. God is looking for an excuse to save human beings. 
And when he finds a heart that beats for him, a heart that longs for him, boom, he moves in on that heart. They're all over this planet, ladies and gentlemen, all over this planet right now. But isn't that amazing? Remember, Peter is now post-Pentecost. He's post-Pentecost. You see, the Holy Spirit got poured out over here. The Holy Spirit got poured out, supercharged. We just, uh, we just read it a moment ago in our scripture reading. He got poured out into that upper room, filled with the Spirit of the living God, tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit has gotten poured out, and apparently the lesson needs to get through to the church of Christ in the book of Acts, that when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, the walls come down. The walls come down. And that's why Peter, by the way, is quoting Joel in that great Pentecostal sermon. And we've read it so many times from Joel that we read it a moment ago from uh, Peter actually quoting Joel. Would you mind turning back to uh, uh, Acts chapter 2? Peter dips into the well of Old Testament, ancient prophecy. And he pulls out the, the, the prophecy of Joel 2, verses 28 and 29. Only under the inspiration of the Spirit, he actually changes the wording. Did you know that? He changes the wording. This is Acts chapter 2, and he says in verse 16 in his sermon, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now we're ready for verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Do you know that the, those words in the last days are not in the ancient prophet Joel? They're simply not there. Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit, has inserted that line. And I am so glad he inserted it, because if he hadn't, we would think that the Joel 2 prophecy was only about the beginning of the infant Christian church. But because under the inspiration of the Spirit, he inserts the phrase, in the last days, we now know that it's going to happen all over again at the very end of time. Isn't that right? Boy, thank you, Peter, for being sensitive to the Spirit and inserting a phrase that's not there in the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Children of the Father, how much of the flesh of this earth will receive the Holy Spirit according to this prediction? How much? I'll say it louder than that. Say it just a little louder, please. All flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And because we're not sure what he means by all flesh, God through Joel and Peter now will carefully delineate the categories of all flesh. So, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Number one, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means that when I pour out my spirit, I will pour out my spirit on all genders. Now look, there are not a lot of genders. There are only two, but that's what he means. I will pour out my spirit on all genders. That wall's gone. And by the way, he goes on, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. God says, by the way, all flesh means all ages, young, aged, or in between. Age. I am no respecter of age. That's why you're here today, by the way. I am no respecter of age. I don't have to wait until someone reaches a certain elderly age before she or he can be used. 
God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all, on all genders. I will pour out my spirit on all ages. And watch this one more category, verse 18. And I will pour out my spirit on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. All ages, all genders, all social classes. All social classes. No wall there. Man, God is serious about this all flesh business. And if he's serious about all flesh, I guess you and I, following the same Holy Spirit, would be moved in the same way. So, Peter has just taught this in, uh, on the day of Pentecost. So, when he launches into his little homily, his little sermon here in Cornelius' living room, that's why Peter can say, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth, going back to the narrative, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Oh, and Peter goes on, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord, that word you've heard about. Peter said, Hey, hey, Cornelius, sir, did you hear about this Jesus of Nazareth? Oh, yes, you have heard, haven't you? Did you hear about this Jesus called the Christ, the Messiah, who went through the land preaching peace? That's a, that's a, that's a rather strange phrase, preaching peace. It's the only place in Acts where Jesus is described as moving through the land preaching peace. You know what? Paul comes along because Luke who wrote Acts, was a traveling companion to Paul. And it could be on one of their trips. Luke said, Luke, Luke said to Paul, listen, you ought to hear, you ought, I, I, I finally got a transcript of, the, of what Peter said in the home of the centurion Cornelius. Listen to this. And so he may, he may have run the, the line past Paul. Paul uses it. Watch this. Keep your finger right here. We'll be right back. But Ephesians. Take a look at Ephesians for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, you've probably read these words before. But what a, what, what a stirring depiction here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When Jesus stretched out His arms on Calvary, he, that embrace took in the entire planet. And through that embrace, by the blood of Christ, you have been brought near. Read verse 14. For He Himself is our peace. Peace is not a message. Peace is a person. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. You see, whenever you proclaim peace, the walls come down. So he, he has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law, the commandments, and the ordinances, that would be the Old Testament law and its traditions, uh, having abolished that, so, not the, not the Decalogue, you understand, so having abolished that, he creates in himself one new humanity, one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now he's moving to his, to, to his uh, summation. And that he, Christ, might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. The cross is God's great plus sign. Whenever God put places jams the cross as a stake into the earth, that plus sign declares that what was once separated is now joined at Calvary. What was once in enmity and in alienation is now joined. God's great plus sign is Calvary. Brings the halves back together. So, 
that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, here it comes. Here's a line that Peter used first. And he, Christ, came and preached peace so that you who are far off and to those who are near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Oh, fill me. Our earnest plea. I want to be filled with that Holy Spirit. That's been our theme all the hours we've been together. And what's the point? When the Spirit fills us, God's great plus sign pulls what has been disparate and alienated, pulls them together and they become one. The walls, that's what Peter's saying to Cornelius, the walls came down at Calvary. All right, move to the, move to the wrap of this story. Back to Acts, Acts 10. So Peter's preaching away. And he declares in verse 36, you, you, you've heard about the word that God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. By the way, when Jesus, it just hit me early this morning, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he was filling, fulfilling another messianic uh, prophecy that goes like this. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The punishment of our peace. He took it so that we might have that peace. God's great plus side. Oh, Cornelius, you've heard the stories. You heard verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Have you heard that story? And we, by the way, are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed this Christ by hanging on a tree became the curse of the covenant. Deuteronomy 27 to 30. He became the ideal Israelite who was cursed on behalf of the entire family of God. Hanging on a tree always speaks of that curse. He was cursed, Cornelius, so that we might, so that we might be brought together. And, verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness, will receive remission of sins. And Peter takes a breath to go into his next point in his, in his homily, when in that instant, all of heaven explodes And what happens? Verse 44, And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit had said to him, Hey, don't doubt nothing. Doubt nothing. You're going to see what you haven't seen before. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word and those of the circumcision. It's rather a strange phrase for Dr. Luke to insert right here, but that's what he's calling those who are advocating that that little covenant seal remain in force. And those of the circumcision party who believed in Jesus were astonished, as many as had come with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The wall just came down between Gentiles and Jews. Boom! It's gone. And they are filled with the same third person of the Godhead. Mercy! And Peter, dumbfounded, but the Spirit said, Hey, listen, don't doubt anything. You're going to see what you've never seen before. And Peter answered, verse 47, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
if they've received the same Holy Spirit as we have, who is going to say, I move that we not baptize them? Peter says, can anybody forbid? Of course, it's a rhetorical question in verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Under the water goes that pagan Roman believing centurion. He comes up a son of God and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Just like that, the wall went down. Wow. You know, maybe GYC, strategic as it is in the end game, is called to, in the same way as Peter, be instrumental in taking the walls down. Wouldn't that be something? Wow. You? God calling you? Like Peter? Oh, come on, guys. We've been praying it now since Wednesday night. Fill me our earnest plea. Why pray the prayer if you don't know what will happen to you when you pray the prayer? What will happen to you is you suddenly are swept in when you're filled with the Spirit. You suddenly are swept in to the strategic plan of the soon coming Messiah and you become, in the name of the peacemaker, you become a wall breaker. In the name of the peacemaker, you become a wall breaker. Don't let anybody tell you. You can't be like Peter. You're too young. You're not too young. God has positioned you right now for such a time as this. In the name of the peacemaker. You become a wall breaker. Now, I need to warn you. I need to warn you. Because we're really big on the book of Acts at GYC. And I'm really glad we are. I need to warn you that if we stay faithful to what we're reading here, it may not go easy for you. Because the very next event, the very next event when Peter gets back and reports what has happened, hallelujah, the wall between the Gentiles and the Jews has come down. Guess what? Verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, those who are hanging on to that ancient tradition and not seeing it released by Calvary, those of the circumcision. Oh, they were not very happy at all. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Yo, Pete, you went into uncircumcised men. Yes, you did, and you ate with them. And you are in a heap of trouble now. I'm telling you, in the name of the peacemaker, wall breakers can run into major opposition. But it happened to Peter. You're not alone. It's okay. And Peter says, hey, 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 guys, please, time, time out, time out. Let me just tell you what happened. You're not going to believe this. And he tells the whole story. He says, I went into, I had this little vision. I couldn't figure out what it meant. God came and said, don't you call anything common or, or, or uh, unclean. And then these three guys show up at the door and they say, come to this centurion. So we go to the centurion and the house is packed with all his friends and neighbors and family. And while I'm pre- guys, I'm telling you, while I was preaching about Jesus, the peacemaker, the place exploded and they started speaking in tongues. They are speaking in languages other than their own. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. What am I supposed to do? Why are you so hard on me? 
Verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. As upon us, by the way, in the upper room at Pentecost. Then I remembered, whoa, I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I remember Jesus said, there's going to be a baptism of the Spirit associated with a baptism of water. And then Peter, this is the last line of Peter in the story. This is it. Verse 17. If therefore, gentlemen, if therefore... God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withstand God? What could I do? The same gift I have, I saw it in them. The same gift you have, I saw it in them. What am I going to say? Oh, you, no, 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 you can't, no. If therefore God gave to them the same gift He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? I couldn't. I had to. My worldview collapsed when the wall came down and the Spirit was poured out. I had to do what I had to do. Guys, don't be so hard on me. And listen to this. Their response, verse 18, when they heard these things, they became silent. Well, what's there to say? Clearly, the Holy Spirit has gifted them the same way the Holy Spirit has gifted us. So what can I say? And then... The silence breaks out in the doxology and they glorified God saying, then God has surely granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. The end. Now I got to read this to you from, uh, this is from Acts of the Apostles. Right here, and I put these words, scribble them at the top of my page. This is Acts of the Apostles, page 142. Listen to this. The exclusiveness, this is at the end of the story. The exclusiveness established by the custom of ages was abandoned and the way was opened for the gospel to be proclaimed. The exclusiveness that by the custom of ages was abandoned and the way was opened... To proclaim the gospel. Because the wall came down. I didn't know what else to do. It just came down while I was there. So if we were in the Pioneer Memorial Church right now, I'd ask you to grab your smartphones because I know that there are 7,000 smartphones right here. And we have it set up with a Google voicemail number that will flash on the screen in the middle of the sermon. I said, I want to hear from you right now. I need to hear from you right now. Dial that number on the screen and tell me what you believe are some of the walls that might be surrounding us that a generation like yours may be called by God to take down. And you go, I've never seen thumbs move as fast as yours. Boom. And then I got my iPad up here. No, I'm sorry, I have Karen's iPad. It doesn't belong to me. She reminds me of that. I have her iPad here, and, and boom, 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 boom. I go, whoa, listen to this, and then I'll read it. So we don't have that. Let's just do it. What are some of the walls as you move out into the world? You leave this place and you go into the new year. What are some of the walls that God, surely the peacemaker, wants to take down? Call out some of those walls to me right now, and I'll repeat them if I can hear them. 
racial division. You go, girl. I want to hold up. I want to hold up right here on racial division. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? You know what? The Seventh Day Adventist Church. We are having this revival and Reformation appeal. And then, by the way, Ted Wilson is a personal friend of mine. We went to grade school together. We're having this pers- we're having this appeal for revival and Reformation. But listen to me carefully. As long as we are divided between blacks and whites in North America, this church will never be revived. You can read it on my lips right here. As long as we in North America are divided by the blacks and the whites, this church will never be revived. You can't revive a church that has a wall up. The wall has to come down. Then the church is revived. So thank you for calling that out. I received that as from the Holy Spirit Himself who said, Dwight, I'm going to give you the first one and it'll be the racial wall. Good for you. And guess what? You're it. My generation, we haven't known what to do with the wall. So we'll have a white church on this side of Houston and we'll have a, you know, a Hispanic church over here and we'll have a black church over here. We just haven't known what to do with the wall. But I am praying for a generation of people who don't know better to come along and say, you know what, there's not a black Ford Motor Company and a white Ford Motor Company. There's not a black IBM and a white IBM. Why should there be a black Seventh-day Adventist church and a white Seventh-day Adventist church in the same city? It's time for the walls to come down. The Holy Spirit will not revive a church that intentionally says, we can't deal with this, this is too big for us. Guess what? That's why you're here. God is raising up a generation that is saying, you know what? Time's up. Time's up. Where a new worldview is now taking place. When the Holy Spirit is poured out in the name of the peacemaker, you will become a wall breaker. Just like Peter. Just like Peter. Oh, he'll run into people and say, you can't do that, boy. You cannot do that. We've been doing this for years this way. You cannot do that, girl. It's okay. That's what they told Peter. You can't do that. He said, what else can I do? The Spirit's been poured out. The wall has to come down. So what are some other walls? Unforgiveness. Very good. Refusal to forgive. That is a wall between me and you until even if I am the innocent party, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, if your brother has ought against you, that would be Matthew chapter 6 actually, if your brother has ought against you, you go to him. You're the innocent party. But that wall cannot stay up. Good for you. That wall cannot stay up. I heard somebody yell out from the back, reverence. Yep, you're right. Irreverence. Gossip. What a wall. What a wall. I heard something. What was it? What was over here? Lack of love. The lack of love. Sabbath school lesson today talked about uh, Acts chapter 2 and how when those 3,000 joined the church, God broke down the walls and this community became a passionate community of love. Did it have bumps along the way? Are you kidding? When you get to Acts chapter 6, the, the, the Greek Hellenized widows are saying, hey, it's no fair. You're giving, all, you're, you're giving to the Jewish widows more than you're giving to us. It's always messy when the community of faith is called to become a community of radical love. It's tough stuff. But you have to deal with it. 
And God, through the church, found a way to deal with those inequities. That's very good. Access. Now, what did you have? I heard access twice. What, is, what do you mean by access? What access? Oh, deaf access. You go. Thank you. Absolutely. And captioning. All right. They're listening to you. At, they're listening to you at 3 a.m. And captioning. But what, you know what? She's making a point. She's making a point. The translator there is making a point, and that is. What's the point of saying the gospel goes to the whole world and the unhearing never get to read the gospel? A church cannot focus on just the hearing, and she's right on, access by the unhearing, whose ears one day, Isaiah declares, will be unstopped as they hear the glories of those celestial choirs. Music. Well, politics. Terminating ill patients. Hey, just use your smartphone instead. Forget this. I can't, I can't. Just send me a note. Send me a note. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you get the point. You get the point. When in the name of the peacemaker we move out into a fractured and walled world, we become wall breakers. The world falls in love with wall breakers. The world cannot tolerate another wall maker. If, if God ever says, Dwight, which would you rather be? Would you rather be a wall maker or a wall breaker? What would you answer him? I'd rather be a wall breaker. There isn't enough, there isn't enough time left to make sure the walls stay up. The time has come for the walls to come down. You are friends of the peacemaker and he will make you a wall breaker. That's the truth of the, of the book of Acts. That's the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and 11. I want to read one more quotation. Ellen White. Acts of the Apostles, pages 90 and 91. Only as they were united with Christ could the disciples hope to have the accompanying power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, read it. Only as they took the walls down could they be entrusted with the mighty end time outpouring and revival of the Holy Spirit. The walls have to come down for the church to be revived. That's the point. Only as they were united with Christ could the disciples hope to have the accompanying power of the Holy Spirit and the cooperation of angels of heaven. With the help of these divine agencies, when the walls are down, they would present before the world a united front and would be victorious in the conflict they were compelled to wage unceasingly against the powers of darkness. End quote. God wins. When the walls come down, He wins every time. Who wants to keep the walls up? The enemy of darkness. Who wants to take the walls down? God's great plus sign at Calvary. When you follow the peacemaker, you must become a wall breaker. So here's the deal. I want to make an appeal right now. I need to know. No. God needs to know. 
if you're willing to put your life on the line for taking down the walls. When the Spirit is poured out, all genders are part of that outpouring. When the Spirit is poured out, all ages are a part of that outpouring. When the Spirit is poured out, all social classes are a part of that outpouring. I need to know. God wants to know. And on His behalf, I ask you this. Are you willing to make yourself available to be, in the name of the peacemaker, a wall breaker in the church or outside the church? Are you willing? I'm going to invite you to come forward. Not yet. I want to invite you to come forward. But I cannot miss an opportunity to make one more appeal. I've been listening carefully to all the appeals, and this one, has time. its time has come. Calvary is the great plus sign. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care your record. I died as a plus sign so that you might know you are reconciled with God by the everlasting gospel. And I want to give an invitation right now. I haven't painted a picture of Calvary. We haven't lingered in Matthew 27 or Luke 23 or John 19. But we've been hearing Calvary all this week. So here's the deal. I want to give you an invitation now. This is not a call for general rededication. If you have never been baptized before, some wall has held you back. You have never been baptized before. I want to invite you right now to slip out of where you are seated and make your way here to the front. And then the others are going to come and surround you. But first, I need to make an appeal to you. If you have never been baptized before. Well, Dwight, actually, you know, I was thinking about it once, but you know, I, what happened? I don't know. And then this, and then, the, then we moved. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid-twenties now, and it just doesn't seem like only children get baptized. Are you crazy? Young adults are ripe and prime for becoming radical disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the peacemaker. You have come up with a hundred reasons why you can't be baptized. I remember that story. God knows that chapter. I said this. I did that. Who cares now? At the foot of the cross, the plus sign means you come just as you are. And God will reunite you. He will reconcile you with Himself. And you will be joined with the peacemaker for the rest of your life. So I don't know, in, a, in, in, an, in an audience like this, how many there are here that right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. You know who you are. This is really not a difficult... Would, would this apply to me or not? You know who you are. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and you say, Dwight, well, how would I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart? Because your heart is becoming agitated right now. Trust me, it's not the devil who's agitating your heart. It's the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, listen, what, do, do, do you think maybe today would be a good day, the last day of 2011? Nobody's going to be baptized today. Nobody's going to be baptized next week. But 
You will make the decision today. The last important, the most important decision of your life on the last day of 2011. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and you have not been baptized, you're not coming to me. You're not coming to the church. You are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. If He's speaking to your heart right now, would you join these who have, who have opened the door for you already? Just come. I'll look at it. It's a long way, Dwight. I'm in the very back row. Who cares how far? Do you know how far it was up Golgotha? Do you know how lonely it was dragging that cross? Nobody said it would be convenient. But I'll tell you this. If your heart is being, if your heart is being tapped right now by the Holy Spirit, you will never have an, a more opportune moment than right now right now to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got some of the team coming here. And so, come on forward. Stand over there. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, this convention right now is a saving place. If nothing is happening to your heart right now, Hey, Dwight, I've already been baptized. Big deal for me. Close your eyes and start praying. There may be somebody sitting directly 18 inches behind you right now. And the Spirit is saying, boy, this is your day. You didn't know this, but boy, girl, today I'm calling you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. I'm calling you now. It will never be easier than today, right now, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Him just as you are. He won't leave you just as you are. You may come just as you are. He'll throw a robe around you that will take those filthy rags and obliterate them. You'll be covered in the purity of the Messiah Himself. He is God's great plus sign. He died to unite you with the Father of the universe. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not going to go on and go on and go on. But if there's a heart here, and Dwight, right now I'm really wrestling, would you pray for me? Right now, my friend, if your heart is wrestling before God, it is the Holy Spirit Himself who is saying, Come on, boy. Come on, girl. He said, Dwight, I'm not, I'm not a young adult. I just wandered in because I heard there was going to be this big GYC event. I'm an adult. I'm a middle-aged adult. I'm moving on in life. My friend, if your heart is being touched by the Holy Spirit just now, it's not the age that's the issue. It's the need that is critical. And if Jesus is tugging at your heart, and you're sensing Him calling you to make a decision. You're standing in the back. Come on up. It will never be easier than today. Do you know what Jesus said? He who confesses me before others, I will gladly confess before the Father. She who confesses me before others, I will gladly confess before the Father. Confess Jesus. Come as you are. There'll be a pastor where you go home. I don't know where your home is. There'll be somebody. We'll get in touch with somebody. Somebody will help you. And when you feel you're ready, you can make that, you can set that circled Sabbath in 2012 as your baptism day. Nobody's rushing you. Nobody's saying, forget studying the Bible. No. 
come on. Today's the day to make the decision. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts and, and, and Philip are roaring down the road in that chariot. And finally the Ethiopian says, you've talked to me enough about Jesus. Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? Just like that, the decision is made. You don't need a choir singing. You don't need anything but the Holy Spirit appealing to your heart and saying, come to me. You, you're weary. You're heavy laden. Your guilt has been a ball and chain all these years. I set you free when you step to me. I set you free. I'm the peacemaker. I'll take that ball and chain and I'll resurrect your life into a brand new story. My radical young friend. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless all of you who've come. I'm so proud of you. Heaven rejoices. Jesus tells in Luke 15, He says, when one, one sinner comes, repents and comes, Jesus said, all the choir starts singing. Heaven is really singing now. Because you came. Heaven knew that this was your day. Jesus knew. He made sure you were here. And now you've come to Him. And I'm so proud of you. All right. Now the appeal is going to continue, but I need to make another appeal. And that's this. If you are a young adult and you would like to offer your life to the peacemaker to become a wall breaker inside the church and outside the church, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and come and surround these. And those of you who come forward, if you just take about three steps forward, come and surround these who have preceded you to the altar. And we're going to have a season of prayer. Yeah, if you see a friend of yours who's come forward, some of you are putting your arms around. Good for you. Come forward. I'm willing, Lord Jesus. I'm willing as a radical and loyal follower of the peacemaker, I am willing, Lord Jesus, to become a wall breaker. I come just as I am. But Jesus, you have my life in 2012 and beyond. Until you come, Jesus, use me in the church. Use me outside of the church to break down the walls that the Prince of Peace might rule through me. And if they're filling up the if they're filling up the aisle beside you, that's okay. Just, you just stand where you are. God bless you. With such an army as our young, rightly trained might furnish, how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might go to the world. It's a messianic prophecy in Psalm 110. And that's why you're here. God prophesied and predicted you would come. You're in the army. The Messiah's army. Never apologize. Never look back. Stay bold and faithful till Jesus comes. There's a world that He will send to you and send you to to grow His kingdom before that day.
I was going to suggest that we kneel, but it's a little tight. And so I'm going to invite you to pray. Bow your head with me, please. Oh, Jesus. The last few moments are ticking off that time clock. But we, we, we cannot hasten from, from this collective commitment. Holy Christ. These are yours. This is your fruit. This is your work. Jesus, seal every decision right now. Seal that decision for the rest of his life. Seal that decision for the rest of her journey. Seal it. No turning back. No turning back. And Holy Father, these who have come forward, who heard you saying, Son, daughter, your last decision of 2011. Let it be your decision to join me forever and ever. Amen. And they came, Father. I'm so proud of them. I am so happy for you. They came. Oh, keep the flame that you've ignited flickering. They're going to get on a plane or get in a car or a bus tomorrow. And they have to go back. We all do. But God, Philippians 1, 6, My God who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. Complete what you've started today. Get them in touch, these who've come forward for baptism. Get them in touch quickly with a spiritual mentor who can prepare them. Bless our GYC leadership. They've got some work to do now to contact the home addresses. The hometowns of these who come forward. The conference, the pastor, whoever. God, don't let a decision made today somehow fall through the cracks. Keep fanning the flame. And tomorrow morning early when they wake up. And on Monday morning early. And on Tuesday, every day, may their first prayer be, Fill me, my earnest plea. Fill me with the fullness of the peacemaker. Fill me with the fullness of the Spirit of Jesus. Thank you, dear God. Seal these decisions. And then, Father, I want to thank you for these who are crowding in around them because we're all family. The walls have got to come down, God. We still have some walls up. It's going to take a new generation, a bolder generation, a more radical generation, a more passionate generation to stand up and say, enough is enough. They have stepped forward to offer themselves, dear God. I don't know what it means for her. I don't know what you're going to ask him to do. I just know that when they saw Peter and John and their boldness, they took note that these men and women had been with Jesus. I just know that their being with the peacemaker will make them the boldest generation we have had. Dear God, we cannot go home until we are revived. We cannot be revived until the walls come down. And that's why they've come forward. Seal their decision. Champions like Peter and John and Mary and Joanna. Champions of the peacemaker. Make them wall breakers for your glory for the revival of the church.
Thank you, Father. Ah, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, have at it now. And keep us full. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.